Art and Bold Spit Podcast. Art and Bold Spit Podcast. Art and Bold Spit Podcast. Let's be clear, it's episode 97, you never find me resting. It's your boy, James Gerald, the host from the West Coast. This is the Art and BS Podcast, the podcast by artists, for artists, and art lovers. Pull your socks up. Let's get some housekeeping out the way. Hold on, let me just let the beat rock for a second. Man, the beat, the, this intro, yeah, okay. Uh-huh, yeah, let that rock. Anyway, shout out to the cats over on Apple holding us down. Hit us with that review and that five-star rating. Family over on Spotify, I see you. Hit us with that follow. We'll see you at the end of the year in the wrapped up. Five niggas over on Patreon holding us down. You guys are the real MVPs. Stay six feet apart. Wash your hands after you hit that. And keep the hand sanitizer on deck. Listeners on the web, we appreciate you guys coming back every week. Yeah, man, let's get to the plugs. Upgrade your whole glassware game. Get some luxurious in your life. Hit up Aspen Hand over on Instagram at AspenHand.com. Tell them James sent you, man. Stuff is fly. The uh, Good Witch... All of that got archived. The tortoise, all of that got archived. Them goblets, that uh, yeah, all of that got archived. But the new stuff, oof. okay, let's get on to the next announcements. You guys still want the paintings on the shirts? You still want the coffee cups? That's on the Teespring. You still want the books? We got those. Those are online. Paintings are for sale? Yeah, uh-huh. All of those on deck. We got inventory, baby. Holler at me. Um, Yeah. Oh, and also Instagram, I forgot to hit y'all up. Yeah, get in the comments. You know what I'm saying? Holler at me. You know what I'm, I, I'm real active in the comments. So, first time listeners, we appreciate you guys pulling up to the Art MBS podcast. This is unlike any other art podcast. We like to keep it kind of live over here. Returning family members, man. You saw me just get out of the whip. I mean, it, I mean, we here. Eel nigga alert. Eel nigga alert. His family, y'all know what's up. Um, so we shouldn't even goof around, nothing like that. But real quick, before I cue into the next thing that's happening, because if you guys just came here for Amanda Grieve, that's tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, we appreciate you pulling up. Um, and you probably like, what's about to happen? We're about to cue into some music, but I want to get on my soapbox for a second, talk about how um, my plan was originally to extend March get a bunch of women on but we juggled stuff around and uh this you know what i'm saying like the the last three women we had on uh that was you know what i'm saying like like we getting in better late than ever but we got more ladies on the way i don't want you guys to think that this is just like a, a cheap stunt to get you know a few more in the pipe i'm trying to level out my numbers man listen it's real over here art 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 and bullshit podcast okay. so yeah, we got to get some uh, some some representation for the ladies cuz uh yeah, that's real important. But fuck all the bullshit. Let's get my record right. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Podcast family with up. Smoke it if you got it. Sip it if you got it. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Can not even pretend like I don't want it again? On the brain all the time Thinking about the things that we did You did something Cause shit like this don't happen too often It's the way 
is where you at Break your hearts and break your pockets With luxurious thighs, I see you Podcast family, what up? All my haters, where you at? Check that composition. Make sure the horizon lines is dialed in. Check them vanishing points. You know what it is. What you got poppin'? You got some figurative joints going. You got some landscapes poppin'. You upset? Get your still life in. I see you. Let's go on the top, man. Art and Gold Fit Podcast. Right, right, right. Slow it down, man. Ladies in the building, you chilling, man. Relax. Art and Gold Fit Podcast. You upset? Let me stop by saying sorry. Art and Gold Fit Podcast. Let me show you how to my make a baby. If I just took time to plan it, told me secrets you ain't wanna. Trust is big for you. That's why I'm keeping it a hunter. Art and bullshit podcast. Crazy wanna. Bullshit in common just keeps us apart. When we should I had to slow it down though, y'all. This one. We could be promising. It's episode 97, I'm kindly blessing y'all. You know what I'm saying? With a sample. Let me show you how to make a baby. Nah, we stepped it up. Today I'm your sound sommelier. You know what I'm saying? Art and You have tuned into the Art MBS podcast, the podcast by artists for and artists and art lovers, all them niggas. Art and bullshit. Rock with us. Americano, you got that matcha, that young breve. I see all my cats with the drip straight out the coffee pot. Keep it popping. That take y'all home, man. They like James, where the bars at? Quit playing. You over here playing with the game. Nah, I'm not playing with the game though. 
art in Gold Spit Podcast. This is my jam, man, for real. Okay, we're gonna get some bars on y'all. Art and bullshit. Invest on spinning in cars and bikes. Collect our stimulus stars and stripes. We left our women with scars and gripes. In death, I reminisce starving nights. Mama sent me to help out many to borrow some rights. Them jail bars, eminent guards and fights. Them L's authentic as Carl Knight. And they trending as Tailbar Clemens and Charleston White. True anomaly, deeper viewers optometry. Numerology speaking through this autonomy While elitists confused Tell Thomas McDonald we don't agree with his views But we approve of his honesty That Beretta too deadly left his head in shambles Packing federal weaponry Shoveling mega manholes Rather eat in the culture never even a shorter Who celebrate when they see you ate with seven candles Bahamadia Heather B Every queen should never have to question a pedigree That's Kevin Samuels A racial ruler to a comedic G My queen the better you is a better me That's Tevin Campbell Why the labels and Embellishing why they never cancel Propagated to skeleton why they sell a scandal Pay Why attention. the Reverend Rambos Noriega probably a better commando Schwarzenegger was Reagan's Rambo And blessed known. Yo connect in the Rolodex Gomez Jones He with three of his groupies give him co-ed chrome Leave him with these little Uzis give him forehead stones You cannot Go get flavor next to the cumin in the spice aisle homie The dope games eat the cocaine beepers Co-trained peaks, the most ain't speakers. The brocade reaches, the woke ain't either. Sleeping with soul trained divas, we post sangria. I speak for my quiches, my no-name chicas. Our folks ain't teachers, our dope can't free us. You thousand error to register, never popped a tag. Your concierge never helped you out with your shopping bags. You not a real goon fam, you ever got the pass. You not a real doom fan, you never copped a mask. Been two steppers since Jay-Z was yelling, holler back. Produce records for Shady, but never got the plaque. What I will retort is highly enforced, invite me to war. Smile in the court, then buy me a Porsche. I don't think they doing this over there. I might have divorced. Those Poet and Edgar Allen who tried me before, who likely a court. Who repping the culture with Megas toes is less of importance than Kylie's divorce. Uh, the psychology of a meth head. Titty licking the mozzie like I'm trying to be breastfed. My biggest fear is being sick with a problem. My children ain't proud of me giving an apology from my deathbed. We to turn a friend into an enemy. Turn a positive energy to a jealousy. You better be aware if you don't want to pay the penalty. Don't play the game if you don't care about your legacy. You telling me? Check, check out my melody. Can't be my dog if I ain't sure about your pedigree. Hope these words are sticking to you like Velcro. Money can't buy you love, but it buys you everything else, though. Whoa. Art and Bullshit Podcast. We just gonna use that as is. Yo, my grandma bumped this shit, bro. That ass. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Art and Bullshit Podcast. We are here back on time. Episode 97 of the Art and BS Podcast, the podcast by artists for artists and art lovers. I am your host from the West Coast, broadcasting from the slums of the Cultural Arts District in Fresno, California. Let's get some housekeeping out the way. Actually, no, we already did that, you guys. Let's, we're getting into the episode. You guys heard the intro. You've seen the cover graphic. You've seen the fly art. So, man, let's get to it. You might have heard of this guest. You might have seen some of her art. She's been uh, really cooking, but let's, let's talk about a little bit of education. She came through, uh, you know, got a master's uh, in public health with an emphasis in epidemiology. But then after that, she went back to school at the University of Illinois at Springfield and got her 
bachelor's in fine art. You might have seen her in a few different exhibitions from, you know, storytellers over in the uh, Melbourne, Australia area over at Shelter 33 um, Contemporary Gallery in Chicago from, uh, man, I mean, we can even take it all the way back to 2017 in the ARC Visions group exhibit exhibit over at Arcadia Gallery. Man, listen, shouts to the Vatican. Uh, <laughs> heavy generator in the building. You guys have seen her. She is raw with the raw umber. She is an oracle when it comes to, you know, all of this opulence. Flipping the fauna. And uh, we're going to really talk about how she's getting fierce with this figurative work. I'd like for you guys to give a warm round of applause for our next guest, Amanda Grieve. How you doing, Amanda? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, we're uh, we're cooking. It's like uh, nine forty-five Pacific Standard Time on a Thursday. Very cool. Yeah, it's you, about lunchtime now, here. Oh, okay. oh, so you're past coffee? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, let's be real. Like coffee is an all-day thing for me, but I've got my first hit out of the way anyway. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Okay, so we're just going to get right into it, Amanda. You know, I know you're busy. We're not here to play. So can you please tell the Art and BS family, what was your first memory seeing art? Um, my first memory was, um, well, so my mom and my grandma are both artists. And so it was probably seeing my mom's work. Um, she painted portraits of my sister and I when I were little, when we were little and put them in our room. So that's probably my first time um, seeing art. Was that okay? Now, did she have you model, or were they off references? You know, I I would imagine they were pictures of us when we were little. So I'm guessing that they were off references because I don't think that we probably sit would sit still enough for her to to paint us uh, mm -hmm. live. But yeah, they were just um, just really little um, quaint images of my sister and I, like smelling flowers and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Nice. Now, were these oil, acrylic, pastel? They were watercolor. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> nice, nice. She had that delicate hand on it. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm, okay, so now, oh. continue. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I felt like I cut you off. No, no, no. Okay, I thought you had a bar for me. Uh, okay, so now <laughs> the creative gene runs in your family. So you said your your mother and your grandmother? Right. Uh-huh. So I was kind of, um, you know, always around art um, to the point where you kind of take it for granted. You know, it's always there in the background. So um, when it, I think something when something becomes just a natural part of your life, you don't always recognize it as being something um, important. But looking back now, um, I can see that the I can see the influence that they had on me from a from a young age. Definitely. Mm. OK, so I'm curious because that's really interesting to hear you say that. So was it one of those situations where um, you were encouraged to do art or was it one of those situations where it's like, I'll put it around you and it's up to you to grab the crayons or how did that all work out? I, I would say probably the latter. Um, we were never um, pushed to make art, but I think 
you know, when we were kids, um, we were encouraged to play make-believe and um, to just do our own creating, I guess, in that sense. But it was never like, you know, oh, um, we do this, so you might like to do this. In fact, I would say that there was probably more emphasis for us when we were growing up um, on sports, on running and playing basketball. And I really only came back to making art um, um, probably in my 20s, I guess, mid to late 20s. Mm -hmm. So, as it, you know, it, it was always all around us, but it, there was never, I never had um, the drive to create until I was older. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, what was the tipping point? Um, you know, it's just kind of funny because, um, so, as you'd mentioned, I'd gone to school for um, epidemiology. I got my bachelor's degree in, in the sciences and um, went before I got into art, I was working um, in legal research and I was lucky. I had a really great boss who um, let me take classes um, during the day if I wanted to. And so on a whim, I decided to take a drawing course and I just fell in love with it. And I can still remember my teacher who turned out to be um, ended up being like a really good friend of mine um, saying, you know, I think you're going to be a realist. And it just kind of clicked there and snowballed. I mean, from there, I took painting classes and started exhibiting and just kind of hit the ground running. Mm. So who were some of your mentors? Who were some of the people who like put the, 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 the gas in your tank in this art? Because it seems like, you know, if there's the catalyst and then you're, you're drawing, you're like, okay, boom, feeling embraced by this teacher. I'm curious as to who some of your, you know, some of your mentors and some of the people who really pushed you along were. Oh, sure. So um, two in particular, I'm, well, uh, uh, aside from the obvious, my, my mom and my grandma were really, you know, they were really influential, obviously. But um, so I had a teacher at a community college, college that I went to. His name was Tom Whalen. And he um, really encouraged me, um, really um, had a very open door policy as far as like coming in and talking about art and like bouncing ideas off of him. But then also... Um, a woman named Claire Lind Porter, she um, gave me my first opportunity to exhibit. And um, so that was really influential, influential in the, the fact that I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. You know, I was painting paintings and just kind of bebopping around. And, and she really helped me to see um, at the ground level what exhibiting art involved. And so... Yeah, I would say definitely those two people very much helped me in my career early on. Mm, okay. So I'm curious, were they individuals that you met through your through painting classes or how did those relationships foster? Um, well, Tom, he was my professor um, in painting and drawing um, in the first classes that I took. Mm -hmm. And Claire, you know, it was lo so long ago, I don't even really remember how we met it might have been that I she was so she was the director of an arts foundation in a town near me Jacksonville Illinois um, called the Imagine Foundation and they really pushed art exhibits but also like art education and reaching out to um, underserved communities in the area and so um, I think that I'd gone to um, an art show that they put on like an art walk or something on a Friday night and met her, got to talking to her, um, showed her my work, and and then she asked me to exhibit, and and so doing that really um, 
it helped me, you know, get into the um, groove of exhibiting, but also like getting to meet other artists that weren't um, people that I were that I was taking classes with. Mm. So and seeing too, like um, the breadth and depth of um, artists in our area, because, you know, I live in a fairly rural area and, and you don't necessarily associate that with um, having really good artists. But I, you know, I am surrounded by by people who are wonderful painters and potters and um, collage artists and mixed media artists. And so I feel really lucky um, to have found that. There's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, like there's so much game that you just really spit to the listeners. And I want to kind of like pick apart because it's it's crazy, Amanda. A lot of the things that I've been saying um, you're you're touching on. So I want to I, I want to ask you. Um, a, how is, how important is it as an artist to get out and network, right? Because it seems like the, that was how you met. It's like you had two people who really helped you. And one came from, you know, sharpening your chops and pursuing, uh, a higher lot, a higher knowledge of the visual language. But the latter came from you being in the streets and like, you know, uh, kicking up dust and like seeing what is happening in the town. So for me, I think that that's important. And I see a lot of artists, I talk to a lot of artists who don't do that and they get Mm -hmm. comfortable in like, you know, in their town or they get comfortable because they'll know a particular owner of an establishment so they can show there all the time, but they don't Mm -hmm. expand. um, And, you know, go on the art walks or go to art hop and meet these different gallerists. Um, So can you talk about like, I'm I'm curious because do you think if you weren't doing that, your career would have had the same trajectory? Like if you were just staying in and working on your chops and not getting out and hitting up the venues? Um, no, absolutely not. In fact, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because my first, I would say like really big show, um, when you mentioned it um, at um, Arcadia, came about because I had um, decided to enter um, in a biennial in Rockford, Illinois. And it happened that a collector saw that and reached out to me and then also reached out to the gallery owner um, of Arcadia and that, and put us together, you know, sent me this, sent him this letter of recommendation for lack of a better term to um, the gallery owner. And that's how I ended up there. And so and he ended up buying a piece for me too. So I think like having open lines of communication, networking, talking to other artists, talking to curators and gallery um, directors and owners is is integral. I mean, it's it's essential. That said, you know, some people are fine with just exhibiting locally and just painting just for the joy of painting, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if you have a goal in mind of of making art your career and um, touching a bigger audience, reaching a bigger audience. Um, I think it's essential to network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Network and expand your net worth. Oh, absolutely. And also, you know, as for me, obviously COVID has put um, a little bit of a kibosh on some of this stuff, but you know, I used to get together with a group of artists that were around here just to just to talk art and you know that was really refreshing and also 
um, it served as kind of a think tank. You know, we can bounce ideas off of each other and um, just kind of have um, creative talk. And it was refreshing and uplifting. And I think it's easy as for an artist, as an artist to just stay in your studio, you know, to be in your studio and creating, but um, getting out there and being around other people, I think also expands your perspective, but also informs the art that you're making. So it, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And it seems like the, the common thread that I've come across is like mentorship, like all of the, all of the artists that are really cooking, they've all had like mentors who they've embraced and, you know, taken that apprenticeship role and kind of like, okay, let me learn as much as I can learn from this particular person and then mm-hmm. apply, uh, apply that to the streets. So yeah, it's, it right. mm-hmm. well, I mean, so, um, you, you're an artist also. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you go to university for Mm-mm. art? Nope. Okay. Well, so one of the things that I noticed, like whenever whenever I went to university, it's not like they don't really teach you or they, there's not a huge emphasis on the business of art. Right. I mean, it's like just creating, like working on your paintings or your sculptures or, you know, what have you. But it isn't really about like the importance of ne- networking and talking to gallerists and how to approach them. And so, you know, that's a knowledge that you gain from talking to other artists who who've maybe been around the block or have, have done those sort of things. And mm-hmm. so that was something too, that I really valued um, with the relationships that I've, I've kind of accumulated over the years is learning how to navigate the art world a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the thing is, Amanda, because in your career, you might experience something and there's no one in your town that can really answer that question effectively so like you have to pick up the phone and then call someone like hey you know like how does this work I mean there's been for me um yeah it's kind of like having access to people who are qualified to like help me (laughs) in the thing because it's like if you're I mean like the thing is is if you're if you're trying to get your art career off the ground and I'm trying to get my art career off the ground, then it's like we're, we can't really, uh, there's only so much wisdom we have to impart on each other, you know, but if you're someone who's had, uh, you know, exhibitions and maybe you have an atelier or maybe you, um, you know, just been painting for, you know, years and years and you have the, the fruit to show, then I think that's, that is, um, Th- that's important to seek out because I've, I've noticed for me, Amanda, it's like, um, it's like rocket fuel having like quality mentors. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, if anything, you know, it might be a situation where you, you know, you go from point A to point B and you could do it on your own, but you could probably do it a lot faster having somebody there, you know, available to answer questions and to kind of help you navigate that. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's definitely, there's certainly merit in having mentorships and that sort of relationship with other artists. So I'm curious, do you, um, because you said that your mother, she was a watercolorist. Now, do you ever dabble in watercolor or are you primarily oils? Primarily oils. You know, I, um, I've never done watercolors. It was kind of, it was, for me, it was kind of, I don't know. In retrospect, I do wish that I had, um, experimented more with other mediums, but for me, it was very much just hitting the ground running. 
um, with oils. So when I went to school, um, I did drawing, but then when I went into painting, I went directly into using oil colors or oil paint. And so, you know, I never, and I guess I should say too, whenever I was, I was simultaneously going to school and exhibiting. So I never really felt like I had the time to um, try other mediums. It was always just oil. And now, you know, now I'm so comfortable with oils. I, there would be a pretty big learning curve probably mm-hmm. to, to try watercolor or probably even acrylic. So now you said you were going to school and exhibiting. How are you balancing that? Um, I was really lucky because um, my art teachers when I was at university um, would pretty much just let me paint whatever I wanted. So, you know, I could work on stuff that I could exhibit also. So. Mm. And also, you know, um, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Like in my free time, I would, you know, it wouldn't be unusual to, to work, go to school. And then that evening spend six or so hours in the studio, just creating. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. yeah, that's how you, that's how I did it. Did you ever get burnt out? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's almost continual burnout. You know, you, I always tell myself, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. And then something pops up and it's like, oh, I don't want to say no to that. So, so yeah, so, <laughs> you take the little moments. <laughs> right. Okay. Well then how do you recharge after you get time to breathe? Well, so I have a, um, a seven-year-old daughter and so that really helped. I mean, that forces me to, to not be in the studio all the time. Right. I mean, because she requires obviously attention. So I guess that's the way I recharge is playing with her and, and, and exploring with her and seeing the wonder in her eyes is very rejuvenating for me. And also is a reminder to me that like, you know, I'm really lucky and I need to try and keep that, that sense of wonder that she has and maybe recognize how lucky I am and just keep plugging away at it. It's kind of like a, a mirror. You look and you see, you're like, okay, there's that level of innocence. And I got to keep that imagination. Because, right? boy, right. You, you said at the beginning you used to play make-believe as a kid, right? Oh, right. Well, I kind of feel like I still do, right? Except it just ends up on a canvas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's funny because whenever you – and maybe you've experienced this too – you know, I have my art friends and then I have my friends like in, that are in my normal life. And so you sometimes you can have conversations with your art friends that are like talking about, oh, you know, I had this dream or I'm thinking about doing this with this painting and they don't even bat an eye. But then like your friends that maybe aren't really well acquainted with the art world are kind of like, what are you smoking? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so. Yeah. So yeah, I I, uh, I do feel really lucky that you know I I can kind of I'm committed to keeping that sort of wonder with the world and and I think it helps kind of bat away the cynicism and and that sort of thing for me. Well, and to your point, Amanda, I think that a lot of times as artists, like we have ideas, and people who aren't really creative or artists, they can the idea can cause a knee-jerk reaction, right? But it's like, maybe you should just chill until you see the idea on a on a panel, right? And then that way you can see how it formulates because it might not be as crazy as it sounds once you see it. In oh, for sure. Live in real life. 
Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to admit that, you know, my, my language is visual, like, um, communicatively, I'm not great at like speaking about or like talking about what, what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. Um, it's a lot easier for me to paint that feeling or thought and, and communicate it that way as opposed to, you know, writing or, or talking about it. So, so for sure, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You guys hear Amanda, she just said, I don't like to talk. I talk with my hands. I talk with my paintings. Yep, for sure. It's kind of like a DJ. <laughs> for sure, yeah. So we, we, we're about 20 minutes into the art, so let's get to some BS. Okay. Okay. So you have a chance to host a dinner party or a poker game with five people dead or alive. Who are these five people? Oh, man. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, the obvious probably eye roll would be Michelangelo. We'd have to include him. Um, I feel like Andy Warhol could really have a good party. So maybe him. He'd be a good one. Um, five people. Let's see. Um, can I include Harry Styles? Because mm-hmm. I think he would be a lot of fun. Let's see. Hmm. Maybe my a couple of my well, I'll include one of my sisters just for for backup. And uh, <laughs> for backup, I like for it. backup, right? You got to have that. And maybe you know who would be fun? I think like share. Share would be fun. If I could turn back time, <laughs> right? If I could find a way, <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah, you got that knocked out of the box. Check out the big brain <laughs> on Brad. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, that was really fast. Okay, so now, what do you usually <laughs> paint to? You is it audiobooks? Is it music? Um, it just depends. Usually it's music. Um, I've been listening to a lot of um, James Blake, um, a lot of um, some Moses Sumney, some Sufian Stevens. But then also um, I always joke that with my friends, like I feel like I'm followed around by like a funerary dirge. Like I, I really prefer like kind of like that sad, like somber, like melon. I, I actually have a playlist called Melancholic Piano. So that I like to listen to. <laughs> so, so nothing really upbeat. I, something that's just going to like keep my, you know, I guess my pulse from racing and just kind of let me zone out is usually what I listen to. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's definitely, it, I, I enjoy hearing what different artists listen to number one, because it allows me to uh, expand my audio you know uh repertoire like oh that's what you're listening to i might have to you know put this on um oh right you know so that's it's really amanda that's the real reason i asked that question (laughs) (laughs) oh hey i'm the same way i i welcome any sort of music recommendations i've got a a friend who lives um um in california who is always sending me different recommendations and i love it i I love going down the the rabbit hole of of uh, exploring music. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite things to do. Yeah, and you know it's it's wild because the we're 
entering back into society and concerts are happening you know and right. um, so i'm I, okay so now i'm curious what are like two things that you're excited about doing or that you maybe have already done that you were excited about now that society is opening back up i am super excited about going to concerts and i'm really looking forward to going to um like to see some plays or musicals um my husband and I used to do that a lot. And um, we actually, we had, we went to Hamilton um, like just a few weeks before um, shut down or lockdown. And so, so I, I do miss that. I really no, it's miss Hamilton that. tight. I haven't like, I'm still, I still haven't seen it. Really? I, you know what? I loved it. I, to be honest with you at the end of it, I just sat there and I was crying. I was just like, I could, I needed a few minutes to kind of like collect myself and, and to like, just kind of look back on this experience that that I had just witnessed. I I, I loved it, and okay. I I don't want I don't want to ruin it for you. It it was <laughs> I went into it <laughs> thinking it was going to be one thing, and then at the end of it, it was something else entirely. And mm. just thinking about it gives me goosebumps. Okay. I mean, it had like there's a reason why it's only called Hamilton and not Alexander Hamilton. That's mm. all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So do I need to go and like get some tickets and like take a trip and go and see it at like on in LA if they're doing it out there or something like that? Or can I just watch it on Hulu or what's the optimal way to, to view this? Well, you know, anything is better live, right? I mm -hmm. mean, I, so I watched it on Disney too and it was good, but it, it didn't hold a candle to seeing it live and like seeing you know the the people up there rapping and like dancing and just it was just amazing and Wait, i would also amanda they rapping in the movie y yes <laughs> i don't know see that's like i i have no clue and that's the thing i like to tell oh. people i live under a rock with an easel <laughs> and an iphone and that's it like so yeah no there's a lot of stuff that i am totally clue so i'm i'm oh, not being yes. facetious i'm asking because i really don't know no, definitely. It it's like a it's like a hip hop musical, okay. basically. Oh, that's hard. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what you need to do first is you can listen, you know, to the the soundtrack. Mm. But he also did a mixtape um, with like different artists singing the songs from Hamilton, which is I loved. I thought they were amazing. So okay. maybe listen to those first. Okay. All right, I appreciate it. Yeah, see, you guys heard it yeah. here first. Oh, right, yeah, Hamilton mixtape. You need to listen to it. It's so good. It was funny. It's, just, it's so old. I said you heard it here first. Like, <laughs> like that's, this is not breaking news. <laughs> well, it is for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the art. So I'm curious, like... um with with your paintings because a lot of times um i noticed that you you'll have you, you know there's figures and then there's you know you have the the flora in there so now are you are you can you talk a, a little bit about your process um sure yeah so um i guess i could start with saying like you know the the paintings are of women in different positions you know with maybe flowers coming that are like coming off their back or like covering their faces in a lot of my new ones it's kind of like um 
the visage, the the face of the woman or the the body of the woman kind of disintegrating into these um, floral elements. And so um, the process really is just um, looking back at my own experiences, but also um, talking to my friends about their experiences um, as women, um, the trials that they face, the everyday um, occurrences that um, happen in their lives and kind of transforming those into um, visual representations. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's basically what the process entails. And then it's just like going, you know, taking pictures of them, taking pictures of myself and um, buying lots of flowers and taking images of those and superimposing them on those images of the women in Photoshop and that sort of thing. And just kind of playing around um, with those compositions. Yeah, the the painting that you made, uh, the bearer and the maker. Oh yeah, that one is man. It's like that one is it's astounding. And uh, what tripped me out number one is it's twenty one by sixteen inches, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's like that is a. I like small paintings, Amanda. So like <laughs> twenty one by sixteen and putting that like that amount of information. Um, and you guys, like, I know you can't hear, and we'll post this um, this image on, and I believe there wasn't it like a magazine cover also or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Night Vision Magazine. Um, it, it was, a, it's a literary digest, so it had a lot of poetry and, and um, literary writings, and then my, that image was on the cover, yep. Now, can you talk a little bit about that image? How did that, where, where were you wanting to go? What was the inspiration? What, you know? Um, so it was um, a friend of mine who posed for it. And um, what it was about basically was um, feeling like, you know, we had this conversation about like feeling like your voice gets drowned out or like people aren't hearing your voices. You know, you have all of this, at least in the painting, the hummingbirds buzzing around you kind of um, drowning out the voice that you have. And so that's where that painting came from was um, the idea that, you know, this woman is trying to um, uh, express her truth, to shout her truth. And um, all that's being really noticed is the way she looks or her her image and the buzzing around her is kind of trying to drown out her voice. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. That's, yeah. See, and you're just like, I'm so excited to hear that. And then it makes me think like, you know, like, man, how can you say, how can I say something in a in a way using, you know, symbols and, you know, different uh, icons and different, you know, motifs to get a point across. Um, oh, right. Yeah, man, this is so. Yeah, and then you you have the saturated background on it with the gold leaf. Now I'm curious, right. how long did approximately? Because I know this is the corniest question. I know, <laughs> I know, as an artist, this is and forgive me, Amanda, but like an approximate <laughs> like time. How long did that painting take you, approximately? Um, I would say probably maybe a month and a half. I mean, it's been a little it's been a little while since I finished it, but generally. It, painting that size, I would say, I, I think it took me about a month and a half, all things considered. I mean, obviously, you probably it's probably the same for you. It's like, 
you work three or four hours here, work three or four hours there. Mm -hmm. I mean, but accumulated, I would say, like Mm -hmm. probably a month and a half or so. Okay. Second question is, are you working on multiple paintings simultaneously or is it like a one and done? You know, I'd like to say that I have um, three or four paintings that I'm working on at a time. I will say that I have several paintings drawn out and ready to paint, but I don't know if it's the same for you, but whenever I get into the groove on one piece, it's just like, I just want to work on that one piece. Mm-hmm. So um, usually I'm, I'm working on only one. Now, it might be a case where like, you know, you're working on a background and it's taking a really long time for it to dry and I might start, you know, dropping paint on another piece, but um, usually whoa 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 we got a drop call you guys hold on art and bullshit podcast let's see if she gives me a call back uh hold on wait. let's see if we can get this art, Hello? Art, art and okay. bullshit podcast. I had to get some drops in there because we had a dropped call <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah anyway i uh um usually just one at a time okay fantastic yeah that's well and the thing is is i was curious because it does it takes a lot of uh like mental tenacity to get in the groove and then like once you're in there um yeah changing changing gears is something that for for me it it's really hard and i find like a lot of times amanda like i want to start doing a thing because i'll get like I have a commission right now and I'm trekking mm-hmm. along on it, but I feel as though um, I could be doing like a daily painting and then like, okay, do the commission. But like, before you do that, do like a three hour a la prima. And then that way you're getting more inventory and more studies um, under your belt and then still like working on those um, commissions. So I'm, oh, I'm trying to, sure you know, develop a workflow, um, that works too, but hearing, hearing how you do it and just spending like a month and a half to two months on one piece, um, that, you know, it's definitely reassuring. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think part of it too, is that, you know, I am very, very much a perfectionist. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I do kind of get that tunnel vision sometimes, right. Where it's like, you just keep plugging away at one piece because you just that's all you see mm-hmm. um so yeah i i think sometimes too like th- like you like oh i should spend my mornings maybe sketching or you know doing something like that that maybe is a little looser but then i'm like i have this other painting staring at me like work on me work on me work <laughs> yeah, on me yeah. stop doing that <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's hard to resist that siren song sometimes mm-hmm. yeah no I, I am totally with you because that's what happened like last night for me I worked uh I did a bunch of painting like okay I need to get on this commission but then for, for some reason I was like man I need to do some drawing like I haven't done any just sketchbook drawing in a minute you know so I cracked open the sketchbook for like two hours and then just nice. started doing like some you know a little portrait drawing just to try to get that in the sketchbook um Mm -hmm. because yeah definitely is uh it's as artists like you said like the entrepreneur side the business side like we're managing time so it's really hard for like we're in the fishbowl and then we have to make 
make these paintings to fulfill our vision, but then also there's all of the other things that come with being an artist. Um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, even just, I think even more so now, you know, when I started, um, there was more emphasis on just being in the studio and creating, but now it's like maintaining social media accounts and, you know, um, getting prints out or, um, and going to art, art shows, Mm -hmm. not a whole lot right now, obviously, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, trying to maintain that social media presence and, and having conversations or being visible to collectors and other artists, it can be pretty draining sometimes. And, um, trying to balance that with your workflow as far as is creating work it can be a, it can be pretty hard mm-hmm. so um there's one painting that i posted on the art and bs instagram by you that i really, really oh my god like this painting is crazy it's called go tell the bees oh yeah yeah so can you talk a little so, bit about that yeah so that is a painting of another one of my friends who um she is she's one of those people who can do anything she you know she owned a food truck she owned a soap company she has three kids she's a single parent and she does all of this stuff and i just i look at her in awe and um and she like was uh remodeling her own house like doing her the own her own construction work on it i just she was one of those really amazing people mm-hmm. and um there's also this um oh it's it's folklore really or you know uh, i guess i guess you could call it folk- folklore um about bees and it's like um i can't remember if it's scottish or irish but so you 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 have a beekeeper and if the beekeeper gets married or dies or has some major life event if they don't tell the bees and the bees will you know leave the hive or they'll die and so it's like you you go tell the bees um, of any major life event that happened for the beekeeper. And so um, this painting of my friend is her in her wedding dress. She had just been re- recently married. And, you know, she has the beehive hair mm-hmm. and she's got bees swarming all around her and uh, the honeycomb, um, you know, kind of abstract honeycomb background. And so that's what it was about. It was about like how women are kind of like the beekeepers in our lives. You know, they maintain the hive. They um, provide sustenance. They 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 are able to balance all of these things, all of these major life events while keeping their hive happy. Mm, that's hard. So now the it looks like she had like a honeycomb tattoo on her arm also. Right. Yeah, that was happy accident. I didn't even know that she had that. And, and when she put, you know, whenever she posed, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Now, here's an underlying thing that I keep hearing. So I need to ask you this. Is it easier just to have your friends pose for your paintings? Is that like the easiest kind of thing? Or do you, Um, as opposed to contracting models? You know, um, yes and no. I, I will say that like I've met, well, so I recently photographed a girl who is not, we've become friends, mm-hmm. um, but we we didn't know each other before who lives near me and she ended up being a wonderful model. Um, and so it's kind of like, there's a dichotomy there, right? So I have friends who I've um, photographed, but then I also have people that I've, I've contacted or I've reached out to saying, hey, would you mind um, 
letting me photograph you for the for a painting and they've always been very gracious and the ones that I've contacted have always been gracious and it's turned out to kind of um a friendship has blossomed from this but you know the thing is it's I'm very lucky because I have very wonderful beautiful friends and sisters who are willing to pose for me and it's helpful because there is an inherent trust in that relationship so when I say like I need you to pose like this and it's going to feel weird and it's going to maybe look weird at first, but they trust my vision enough to know, okay, yeah, I, I'm going to do this and it's going to turn out, you know, good. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I uh, haven't really reached out to people who model as a profession. I've just been lucky enough that I have friends and people that I've met um, through Facebook that live locally that, you know, that I can photograph. Mm. I hear it. Okay. So my next question is like, how big is your, your, uh, shoe box full of pictures from all of your <laughs> photo shoots? Like, and I know like we're digital, you know, we digital over here, but like, do you have like a big running catalog? And then I guess the second, um, the second question is like, do you ever go back to past photo shoots and pull images? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, I, I do have a shoebox in the cloud, you know, basically, mm -hmm. it's just on my phone, I've got, oh, I mean, thousands uh, on my computer, thousands of pictures, probably of, of my friends and family and myself that I've taken for paintings. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially with um, the pandemic, you know, I was really hesitant to go to people's houses and um, or have them come here to photograph them. So I was really pulling from um, earlier pictures that I had taken um, for works that I'm working on now. Um, just last month was the first time that I um, actually met with a model and photographed her um, since the pandemic started. Mm. Okay, so be on the lookout. She's cooking. <laughs> some, some I hope so. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Who knows if anybody else will be, but I am, so... <laughs> But I think oh. we only we really just paint for ourselves, don't we? I mean, I mm -hmm. feel like I I paint to make my myself happy and kind of to have my voice heard. So, mm -hmm. you know. Now, did you always like see this? That's real important. And I want to like I can't just let you say you said have my voice heard. Did you always know what you wanted to paint? Um, yes and no. So. Before I had my daughter, I did mostly still life paintings, and they they were always very symbolic and um, kind of reminiscent of like uh, Vanitas or like Dutch still lives. Mm -hmm. Then once I had my daughter, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I, I was it was equal rights were very important to me. Once I had my daughter, it became like in hyperdrive. Um, so it was like. At that point, I changed from still life to um, figural paintings and um, focused more on equality and um, paintings that maybe had more of a tone of feminism or um, equality to them. Yeah, I, if we we didn't even talk about your still lifes. I'm really I'm a still life like I love still life painting. So we're going to get to that <laughs> in a second. 
But I wanted to ask you something because looking at your paintings, this is the question that just looms in my brain that I need to ask you. Are you doing transfer drawings? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have gotten to the point. I used to be very religious about like drawing them out by hand and all that, but that takes a really long time. And so especially after having my daughter, I really needed to streamline the process mm -hmm. in order to get uh, all the work done that I wanted to get done. And so, yeah, I do a lot of transfer drawing now just because if I didn't, it would it would take monumentally longer than what it does now. Yeah, because when you said like how long it took for the uh, for that painting, I was just, in my brain. I'm like thinking I'm like, wait, but she got a kid, though. Like, wait, has this, <laughs> nah, like there has to be, and then that, okay, now I get it. Right, like, and I'm now, not sleeping. Okay. I'm not sleeping, that's what it okay, is. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, great, great stuff. But yeah, I mean, like the still life paintings that you were doing, I would say like, you know, and some of them, you have like some, um, some really cool ones, but one, uh, it was like it was more of an interior, the one that you did, the anatomy of despair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, and it's, so, you want to talk about it? Sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Well, you know, I was just really, I, I enjoy, like, the thing is, I haven't really painted interiors, but I've, like, I'm gearing up for that. I've been kind of like, okay, these are some, um, you know, paintings I would like to make. So when I see this, I'm like, okay, this is really, this is cool. And then you add, it's like the figure behind the uh, the glass wall in the shower leaned up against the wall. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's 24 by 48. So it's still, I mean, even though that's a larger painting, it's, it's still like, it's a small, big painting, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one, um, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of interiors. Um, I think I'm just really, I'm not that I'm really picky, but that I have such a hyper focus on the um, figure anymore. But with that one, <clears throat> it, I, um, I remember it vividly because it was in a, um, a brownstone apartment that I was renting in Chicago and I loved the shower and I loved the way the light was hitting. So what I did is I, set up a, a camera with a timer, a 10 second timer <clears throat> in the room across from the bathroom and was just running. I'd click it and then I'd run into the bathroom and take the photo. <laughs> Cause I, you know, it's only me. So you have to be pretty creative with that. You know, make sure you get a camera with a long timer, just enough time that you can run from room to room. Or get a to, GoPro to... so you can control it with your phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that was in the early days. It was pretty obvious. Right, like I should right. have had like a remote control or something. <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, but yeah, that's where that that's how that one happened. Okay, and then um, another still life uh, that I, if you could talk about, because this is this is crazy. Uh, the Seven Ravens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really um, that was, gosh, a long time ago, um, and that was for a show that I did, um, a solo show that I did at my local um, at a community college here in Illinois and it was uh based on the Grimm's fairy tales and so each painting was a different fairy tale um with a feminist twist 
Mm. And so, and, and to be honest with you, I can't really remember the exact story. I, I can see the image. I know what the painting looked like, but mm. I cannot for the life of me remember what the seven ravens um, story, uh, what the details were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you have the pie in the sky one, that one's pretty fly too. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that one was um, pie, but like like pie that you eat, but also like the number pie, 3.14. So like, um, if I remember correctly, like there are three, three and part of one apple showing and like um, there were different elements of the mathematical term pie in the painting. So mm. it's just kind of like, you know, kind of a fun painting. Okay, okay, yeah. Now you got me looking at the jelly beans trying to figure out like what uh <laughs> where the where the 3.14 is in that. But yeah. Um it, it's definitely it's it's inspiring and I always like to talk to people and I'll say like to younger artists like, "Hey, who knows how your work is going to change in the next 10 years?" And having this conversation with you, it it was like, you know, you're doing these still life paintings, um, really getting busy on them. And then, like you said, motherhood kicks in and then it's time to, to change what you're saying with your paintings. Right. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I think like our lives, they definitely influence our art. And, um, I remember reading letters to a young poet and it was talking about how, you know, in that case writing, but I, you know, you can definitely equate it to painting. And it's like you, paint your truth and you know you paint um what is real to you and mm -hmm. and that i think is what resonates it's if you paint something that you don't know about if you paint something that um isn't true to your existence then it it comes off as such and so for me that's just kind of been like a guiding factor in my career so if there was like any advice you could give to up-and-coming artists what would be the advice um, my advice would be to um, work, work hard, um, and to also um, know that not everybody is going to like your art, and that's okay. You you don't not everybody has to like it. Um, one thing you do have to do is kind of steel yourself to criticism that doesn't serve you well. Um, also, know whenever somebody is providing criticism about your work that's helpful. You know, we can all learn from other people's perspectives. It's just being able to filter out the ones that are meaningful and true. And so I, I think that's that's my big takeaway from, from being an artist and from learning is to put in the studio time. Um, you know, there are times where I could have been out partying, going with friends, but I chose to spend it in the studio and and I'm thankful for that. But then also knowing, knowing that um, the people aren't going to like your work. Not everybody is. And just being able to take criticism and not being deterred by that. Um, just plugging away at, at what you're doing and, and being true to your own vision. Mm. Okay. Okay. I hear it. Um, there was a, there was something that, I had wanted to ask you because we were we were on the subject. Oh, concerts! Because you said you wanted to get out and go see some concerts. Like, who who are some some bands or some musicians that you would like to go see? So I um, last year I was supposed to go see Brandy Carlisle and the Colorado Symphony at Red Rocks, 
and it got postponed to this next semester, uh, September. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I can still go see her because she was one of those, you know, I, I like all every different kind of music, but I saw her, she randomly came to Peoria, Illinois, um, a few years ago and she blew me away. I mean, you know, you go to those concerts where you can tell that the person is either phoning it in or they're doing it because they love mm-hmm. what they're doing. And and she was one of those people that you could just tell that she loved what she was doing. And, and that is going to concerts like that makes me want to rush home and paint because they're really, you know, creatively inspiring. So yeah, I'm going to see her in September. Okay. Yeah. Shout outs to, uh, Peoria, Illinois. I haven't heard that name. <laughs> Shouts to Rockford, Illinois. Shouts to Chicago. I see you. Cicero was popping. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Clark and Belmont hold it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, so yeah. What about you? Do you have any concerts that you're you're yeah, gonna go to? They, okay, so I'm. There's a lot of like these festival things, Amanda, and I'm like looking because it for okay uh let's see who because there there's some festivals in california that i've been looking at but um one band <laughs> and this is probably like all the listeners are like they probably said it before i say it uh, i would like to go see griselda records uh west side gun benny the butcher and conway the machine um i think oh, that would cool. be great I'll have to check them out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely some, um, it's like some hip hop. They're out of Buffalo, New York. Um, yeah, it's it's some real like boom bap, like slow kind of hip hop stuff. But yeah, oh, that nice. would be really good. Um, but outside of that, like there's, I would, I really, because I haven't been to a festival shoot since I was like a kid, like a, like a big, you know, like where it's a bunch of bands. So I think going to one of those would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of the same for me. I, I've been to a, a few of them, but it's been so long ago. But I do remember going to them and, and loving being there. So I agree with you. That's something I've got to I got to check out, maybe put some effort into getting tickets. So see if ch- I can get a babysitter. Yeah, now check <laughs> this out. It was the, the one I went to, Amanda. It was called the Smoking Grooves. And they okay. had, so the root, they had like all these different men. Cypress Hill was there. The roots were there. And Erica Badu came out and she like freestyled with them. And then the closing uh. act, hold on though, the closing act, Parliament Funkadelic, and they had the spaceship. Oh, that gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I bet that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Shout, shout out to George Clooney. <laughs> for sure so chicago deep dish pizza overrated or underrated um you know i don't know i i'm to me it, it's it's a little overrated i like my thin crust but you know it's it's okay to have every once in a while i think okay okay what's the um like because there's there's a few things that when people go to like chicago they they're supposed to have what's the there isn't there like this um it's not a hot dog or a, um, it's like some sort of, I don't know if it's a kielbasa or some, but it's like a famous place that is, is out there. Um, um, is it Portillo's? It, okay. Now does the sign look like the sandwich thing and it has like tomatoes or something like that on it? I think so. Now 
I must, I have to preface this by saying that I don't live in Chicago, but I've been there a bunch of times. So I think it's, I think it's Portillo's that you're talking now, about. Because how far are you from Chicago? I'm like three hours from Chicago, three hours south. Oh, so you're in South Illinois. Okay, okay. Because I lived in yeah. Indianapolis for a while, for years. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm based, I'm kind of like straight across from Indianapolis. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Central Illinois. By I'm Champaign. Champaign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was out there. Yeah, we was out there. Oh man, I got some, <laughs> some of my Chicago stories. I'm about to tell you off pod because yeah, they they get crazy. But um, yeah, man, that was back when I was young and doing graffiti and stuff like that. We would go for like graffiti um, excursions to Chicago. Oh nice. Oh yeah, they've got mm-hmm. some amazing graffiti. Yep, 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 yep. So yeah, okay. So we're 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 cooking in here. So a few other questions about art. So now, um, Mary, like as far as like museums go, um, do you frequent museums, or is it something that you would like to do more, or do you have favorite museums? Um, well, so I go to the St. Louis Museum um, with some amount of f- frequency. The la- although you know, as as I mentioned before, I haven't uh, really since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had, uh, Ken Day Wiley, they had him down there and there were some really amazing paintings and that, um, I took my daughter to see that and she, she loved it also. Um, and that's the other part, you know, it's not, I'm always a little hesitant to take her because I don't, when she's in my studio, she, I, she touches the paintings. She's, you know, there are no, like, there's no red, uh, boundaries. boundaries but i don't know if she would recognize that in a museum (laughs) yeah like i can't just go up and touch this uh amy cheryl real quick right Mm -hmm. right 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 exactly uh so so yeah i i like going to the st louis museum it's not that far um and they've usually got some pretty great exhibits obviously the art institute go there as often as i can um so yeah mostly that right now um i have been overseas to like the british museum and those obviously um it's it's amazing and um so so yeah i i go when i can but it isn't as often as i'd like okay so now the kahende wiley the obama portrait is on tour um right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i need to see when it comes to la because it was in ohio not too long ago i think and then it's supposed to come out here yeah, I think it. I think it's in Chicago right now, but I. I mean, don't quote me on that. Um, but okay. I would love to see that okay. for sure. Okay, my hey, you might have to, uh, you know, pack the family up on a little trip. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a really good one. Yeah, and it. You know what? I think that that was a really great moment for me because, like, when I got into um, when I got. El- <laughs> Wait, Amy, Amanda, check this out. Less about you, more about me, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so we're just, I'm, okay, really quick. So like when I, because uh, Amanda, I I had to make a decision, like let's get out of graffiti, let's do like this fine art thing. I wanted to like, you know, make paintings and stuff. So like when I, in 2010, I started looking up like fine artists and Kahende Wiley was one of the guys who fell into my radar. Him and uh, Fahamu Pako, who which we've had Fahamu on the podcast, I think episode oh, cool. seventy six. But mm-hmm. um, 
Kahende, it was like, wow, he's really, like, he's doing it, you know? And then fast forward, and then he does the Obama portrait. It was like, okay, there's def like, it represents, like, the idea of a possibility of what could happen. You know, like, you get this artist who's, who's like, from California, moved to Harlem, lived in his studio, you know, and then, like, grinded and then blew up, and then you got the first black president and then he's painting the portraits just for me it was just like wow this like it's things are possible oh right i can absolutely i mean it i think seeing stuff like that like i know in my case it's like it gives you hope right it, mm -hmm. it it gives you fuel for the possibility that something like that could happen to you too mm -hmm. but yeah so i'm i'm interested though you you did you were into graffiti what what was the tipping point what made you want to to make the transition into fine art oh i was having a kid and like i painted like we'll say i painted a decent amount so <laughs> to support <laughs> that habit like it would take a lot of spray paint amanda so like it was either like go and continuously try to like replenish this supply of spray paint illegally, which puts my freedom on the line every single time. And then also mm -hmm. in painting graffiti, I'm taking penitentiary chances every single time. Right. Sure, or, yeah. and then there's the other stuff. Like there's the, uh, there's like the, the, there's the graffiti drama that comes with graffiti that never comes with fine art. Um, so it was like, Hey, let's go ahead and do this. Like, let's, let's go ahead because you know, you had, you're having this kid and then like, it's now or never, you know, like let's, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and do this. So then, um, yeah, I just kind of dove in and tried to, uh, I, the, the way I tried to do it was, um, I was like, okay, well I can't go to a school or anything like that. So like, let's see if I can do like an online education. And I tried to do the Academy of Art online and I don't learn like that. Like that's not, I need an instructor next to me. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I flunked out like two semesters back to back. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was, and it was basically not because I was trash. It was because I wasn't doing the work or like I would do the work up until a certain point and then be like, I would disengage. I don't know if it was anxiety or whatever. So after mm -hmm. that, uh, I was like, okay, well, okay, I the school thing didn't work, but I'm not gonna give up, right? So let's keep going. And then I think, um, a few months later, I went to L.A. and I took a a la prima painting class with Sean Barber and Carl Dobsky was in there. That's when they had oh, nice. um the work. Wait. It was called, oh, Safe House Atelier. That's what it was called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that was like my first ever real art class. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's a good one to take for your first. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. So, but, and it let me know, like, these students really are painting, like they, it was humbling and embarrassing because it was like these, these students, they got it together and they do this every week. And it just was like. I had no real uh, formula for painting a portrait. And then I got to see like them, you know, like put all the, you know, the lines down, like, you know, the, the, the brow line and the chin line. And then it's like, okay. And then you're like separating things in the thirds and then you're blocking in. So I'm just looking over and then the students are, they were just painting fast. So, um, mm -hmm. 
I think after that, it was just I came back to Fresno and because the class was in LA, I came back to Fresno and just got books and like really just started reading, you know, like anything that I could on art and like how to get better. That's very cool. You know, it, I think you you talking about that really what resonates with me is like how much um, creating art is very much a solitary journey, right? I mean, you can have people tell you how to do things um, and this is the way that I do it. And, and you see other people working really fast, but, you know, it, it really is dependent on like your ability, your um I guess faith in yourself and and your resilience and your ability to to practice and practice and maybe if you don't get it right the first time you just keep going at it and so um you know i that's what i hear whenever you you talk about that is just like being persistent in your dream and that's really cool thank you yeah that's that yeah that's definitely i like to use the phrase my persistence will will wear down your resistance oh nice right yeah i like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because it is, it's a hard road. And like you said, it, it's solitary. And it's like we, everything that we bring to the canvas is the stuff that we've worked for. So it's like, if you feel like you need to, you want to bring more, then you have to get more mileage under your belt to achieve that. Right. Well, and you know, you're not just, you're not always just, just painting a picture. You're also painting your experiences. You're painting your traumas. I mean, mm-hmm. even if, you know, you're painting a picture of a flower, those things still translate onto the canvas in different ways, I think. Yeah, that's, that is very true. So now that leads me to my next question. How do you handle um, your concepts and translating those to paintings? Do you have a big whiteboard that you write your ideas on? Um, no, I just have a sketchbook that I don't even sketch in. I just write ideas in. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, there again, like I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I, you know, I guess I should draw the picture out that, you know, it's in my mind, in my sketchbook, but mostly it's just like paint a picture of, of a woman laying prone with flowers coming from her face or, you know, just, Mm. it's like, I feel like I don't, sometimes the ideas come so fast that it's like, I don't have time. I got to get something done in writing so that I, I remember it because between balancing work and painting and my husband's a farmer. So, you know, balancing that life also, it's like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of room in my brain for, for a lot of things. (laughs) Mm. Shout out to the farmers right sustainable (laughs) living well i mean the thing is amanda it's i live in fresno california this is one of the agricultural capitals like oh really well you need strawberries they come from here oranges they come from here garlic they come from here almonds it comes from here uh olives it comes from here grapes wine uh persimmons um like i'll keep going yeah we got everything out here that's great all the things that i love Mm mm-hmm yeah. So yeah, that's sure. say shout out to the farmer. So now what type of uh farming is he is he doing? Um, you know, mostly just soybeans and corn. So it's more more commercial than it is well, I say commercial, but it's not like it's not food. It's gotcha. you know, soybeans mm-hmm. and corn. So Okay, okay. But I do I do have my apple trees and my strawberry patch and all that that I've, you know, proud of that's that's my farming (laughs) (laughs) so now you have a garden then oh yeah yeah um you know it 
it, there's a lot of weed pressure in this garden. It's it's not a beautiful garden, but <laughs> but it gets me the tomatoes I like and it and you know the peppers and stuff. You might have to to go through a bunch of grass, but they're in there. Okay. So now, do you like go out and, and winterize the garden and and do all of that? I mean, I think about doing it, but I don't necessarily do it. My, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm lucky. My dad is retired, and, and my husband helps too. You know, it's like, can you come over and till my garden for me? It's getting pretty bad, and so, and that, you know, he'll come over and help me and and whatever. But but I do I do plunk the uh, tomatoes in there and and go out and reap the benefit of them. But I I'm not the I am not a great farmer. Okay. I'm a better painter than I am gardener. Got you. So now what are some of the things that you enjoy uh, cooking with the things that are in your garden? Um, well, I should probably tell you first that I hate to cook. Mm. <laughs> so, okay. so um, you know, I I'm and my daughter and my husband are very plain eaters. Mm. But I, I do love a good caprese salad. Um, I could eat that all summer. Um, new potatoes and peas. I love that because I've got a bunch of potatoes in my garden. Um, just cucumber slices and ranch. Anything like raw like that or really easy to make is, is, is my is game for me. Okay. Got you. See, when, when I heard tomatoes, I immediately, for some reason, I thought gazpacho. Oh, yeah, that'd be good, too. If somebody would like to come over and make it for me, I would gladly let them have access to my tomatoes, but I'm probably not going to make it. <laughs> I'll eat it, but I won't make it. Art and Bullshit Podcast. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. So, okay, now, are you a fan of indoor plants also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I um, I love, I've got my, you know, I've got my plants, my fiddle leaf fig and my, uh, Spider wart and all those kind of all over my house. I do love indoor plants. Okay, okay. The, and it, it's kind of cool, Amanda, because uh, I, I've noticed that there's a thread between artists and plants. Like artists, for some reason, it's like, yeah, they, the life, I think, um, that, that plants bring. It just for some oh, reason. I, mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I agree with you. And, you know, like a lot of the ones that I have, I, I can use in my paintings. So that's, you know, that's also an added benefit, I guess. Um, but I think too, like, um, having that like juxtaposition between like really like organic, um, by the, the biota, the, the plants with things that are concrete that are inanimate, you know, mm -hmm. there's a beauty in that too. And I think maybe that also is something that draws artists right you can have those different textures those different feelings and um, it's something you can really appreciate yeah yeah that is i totally agree Maybe, do you have house plants and all that uh yeah no nah, i'm not a <laughs> no <laughs> I'm, i'll just keep it i'll just yeah i'm gonna be honest with you i have like a plant i have one plant uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Like I'm very low expectations for James. One plant. I'm not a, yeah, no, we're not over here. I'm not. That's all right. Yeah. Cause the thing is I know myself and it's like, maybe it's, I, I'm sure that there'll be a point where I've really, you know, I go crazy and I become like the old, like black dude with like all these plants. And I'm like, yeah, this is a, you know, this is a rhododendron from like, uh, Armenia and they don't even grow there. And I had this imported in, you know, like on some real eccentric type stuff, but 
Mm-hmm. Until then, no. I'm just I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna chill. You know, I'll water my one plant when I remember to water it, and it's a cactus. So. Oh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that lets you know how I am. That's how I give it up. Hey, yeah. there's no shame in that. I I have a few of those too, and you know, with weirdly enough, like of the cactuses, the succulents that I have, like I am t- I, for whatever reason I cannot keep them alive. Like, give me like. <laughs> A, a fiddle leaf which is like the most persnickety plant and i can mm. do that but but a cactus i'm terrible with mm. so you know you might you might be a plant daddy after all like you, <laughs> it's just like it's just like underneath the surface right right oh <laughs> man this is great this is, this is a great interview so um now another question that i had had um in regards to like your your paintings now are you doing like glazing and scumbling yeah, I would say more glazing than scumbling. Um, I used to scumble a lot, um, but now it's mostly just, um, you know, I don't, I don't uh, do like a grisali layer, or like a toned layer underneath, which is something I've been wanting to play with for a while. I just haven't had time to. It's mostly mm-hmm. just laying down um, direct color and then building up layers using um, transparent paints. Um, just you know, usually four or five layers. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, like, I'm sure it's the same with you. Like, you can keep, I, I could keep going at some point. It's like, you just have to tell yourself, okay, stop, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> or what I like to say, and I hope nobody's listening, is uh, they ain't paying me for all this. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, nobody else is going to notice that you you put, like, 50 layers yeah, on this no. one spot. Because yeah, no. you know what? It, no, that's a fact. Amanda, because I've given people paintings and it's like gone the extra mile. And then the thing that I went the extra mile on, they didn't notice. I'm like, well, I could have just stopped like four hours ago, gave you the painting and you still would have been happy. Right. Right. For sure. I I hear you. I I encounter that all the time. (laughs) But I think like the flip side of that is, you know, and I both know that we can't let those paintings go until we're happy with them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right on that. Like all joking aside, like it's not done until I say it's done. And, and if it takes 12 extra hours, well, that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you have some up, up and coming exhibitions or anything that you're, you have in the hopper? Yeah, so I have a group show um, coming up this fall uh, with uh, Rest Contemporary in New York and then a, a solo show with 33, 33 Contemporary in Chicago in March. Mm-hmm. So those are the two big ones coming up that I've and a few commissions in between there. But, but for right now, those are the two big ones that I'm working on. That's because don't they represent um, Todd M. Casey and Stuart Dunkel? Yeah, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're a wonderful gallery. Um, you know, the the family, the the people that own it are just they're very kind, very wonderful people. Mm-hmm. So now, did you was it one of the situations where you got introduced to the to the gallerist, or were you submitting your portfolio to different galleries, or how did that work out? Um, so mostly submitting um, my work to galleries and and getting my work seen that way but you know as it was with Arcadia it was more like um 
well, whenever that the collector saw my work and contacted Steve, the owner of Arcadia, he actually called me and I saw this number from, you know, California. I'm like, I joked to myself, I'm like, oh, maybe that's Arcadia Contemporary calling me, thinking like it's just a telemarketer or whatever. And then he left a message and it was like, it was actually him. And so, so yeah, that, that's been one of the instances where a gallery has reached out to me. But for the most part, it's been submitting my work to galleries and hoping that they, they notice the work. So now, is there a timeline that you have? Are you like, okay, I'm going to do X amount of paintings and then submit? Or what's your thought process behind that? Well, I think um, it's a pretty continuous flow. So, I mean, even if I don't have something to submit, I'm always painting, right? So, mm-hmm. um, like right now, I'm I'm working toward um, getting pieces done for the two shows that I mentioned. But... But to be honest with you, even if I wasn't planning on submitting, I would still be working just because, and maybe it's the same way for you. For me, like painting, making art is like breathing. You know, it's muscle memory. It's something that I I just do because I I love to do and it makes me feel more like myself when I do it. Mm -hmm. So even if I didn't have um, a goal in mind or some place to submit the work, I would still be making it. Yeah, that's because the love is there. Right. And well, it's your outlet, I think, too. It's a lot like um, running or like exercising, you know, get that sort of euphoria from it. I think I kind of get that, too. You're something that mimics it, looking at a completed piece and thinking back and like a lot of times I'll look at it and like, how did I even do that? You know, you you are continually um, not maybe amazed, but just like it's a sense of wonder that, you know, something like that, that what was in your head, you were able to put on a canvas. Mm -hmm. Yeah for sure so now that's a great uh lily pad to the next question are the images usually the way that you envision them or is it you trying to find the answers and then the image is a product of you finding these answers um a little bit of both um you know sometimes an image pops in my head and um it's kind of like how can I make this fit or where is this coming from? How is this resonating with the vision that I have put forth? But then other times um, there, you know, it's like it's having a conversation or even reading a book and seeing um, something that sticks with you and, and thinking, well, how can I visually represent that concept or visually represent this conversation that I had with a friend? Um, so it kind of goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's just something that's always, you know, constantly happening. I mean, um, you know how it is. It's like your brain is always, even in the background, thinking about like, what am I painting? What can I paint? Mm-hmm. How does this, this, something that catches my eye, like this is something that I want to represent on a canvas. So I think the wheels are always turning. Definitely. Yeah. I was just adding stuff to the whiteboard this morning. Like, oh, that'd be cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I get a a lot of my inspiration comes, like I said, from conversations, but also from um, like reading books and like listening to music and listening to the lyrics. You know, there might be a particular lyric of a song. I'm like, that is a really interesting way to talk about this concept. How can I make that a visual representation? Like, um, James Blake, like I I was listening to a lot of his songs and he had a song called Retrograde that really stuck with me. 
and you know it's very melodic very somber but um the the title and the the verses really informed this painting that i made not that long ago um that i titled retrograde also so you know it's you find inspiration from all over mm, yeah that so it's crazy because when I think about that, I think about like how important it is to have um, artistic community and how important it is to like recognize that inspiration from all over. Because from from what you're saying, it's like everything like books, you know, movies, life, like everything, poetry, like it's all inspiration. But I think it's important to have like the mental fortitude to be like, okay, let me grab this inspiration and recognize that this is something that could be transformed into, you know, a beautiful um, piece of artwork or, or some sort of self-expression. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think anything can be a muse, you know, you, when you think of a muse, you also often think of like a woman or, or a human, but I mean, you can, poetry, anything, um, just your life experiences, everything in nature, you know, you can, you can find inspiration all over. Now, how do you feel about drawing and painting from life? I, I like it, you know, it's, um, I don't do it enough. I really enjoyed it whenever I took life drawing classes. I, you know, the, the fluidity of it was, is something that I really miss, um, being able to capture, um, but yeah, I think it's essential, even just being able to develop that muscle memory, you know, being able to say, well, like, this is how these are the, the proportions and this is how I'm modifying it to um, fit the, the the model in front of me and, and that sort of thing. It, it's really good practice. And I, I think there are really great works of art that can come from that. But yeah, I'm all for that. It's not something that I can practice, you know, daily, just it's just mm-hmm. not feasible for me, but but for sure, I, I, I do enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's the thing. It's kind of like um, when you meet someone and they're like, well, I understand what works for me. Like you have this fancy camera, but this works for me and this gets the job done. And I think as an artist, it's important to like know, yeah, this is what works for you because the it's the proof is in the pudding you're able to make these paintings and then bang them out um and also like it's not as though you don't have the mileage under your belt I think that that's one thing that um I would like to say to artists is like you at least have to have like a foundation or it helps you don't have to do anything but it kind of helps maybe to have like a foundation of drawing um you know from life and things like that. Cause a lot of artists I talk to Amanda, like they're like Pinterest warriors, you know? And like they, mm-hmm. they get out and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But you have a room full of stuff and you can just like draw some headphones on your desk instead of going on Pinterest. That's true. Yeah. I, I agree with you there for sure. Um, there's absolute merit in what you're, what you're, what you're saying, but yeah, no, without a doubt. Totally agree. Yeah. So that, and that's the reason, like, uh, sometimes I, I remember to bring up, because there's so many aspects of art to talk about, um, you know, and our time is limited. So it's, it's hard to get everything in. Um, 
So yeah, and, and we're we're kind of cooking right now, Amanda. I know that you're you're extremely busy. So are there any? Is there anything that we didn't cover so far that you would like to talk about? No, I you know I I think we've done pretty well. I I kind of like the trajectory of it. It's been nice talking about art, but also talking about other things. It's kind of refreshing. So <laughs> no, I'm I'm down. It's cool. <laughs> okay. So okay, really quick. What's your favorite? Um, Oh my God, that's so bad. I just forgot his name. I am so. What's your favorite Stanley Kubrick movie? My favorite Stanley Kubrick movie? Mm -hmm. um, oh man. I don't know. It's, uh, shoot. I'm not great with movies. Okay, now, that's I took fine. a film course. <laughs> but I. Is One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest? Is that a Stanley Kubrick film? Hmm. No, um, I don't. Or think is so. the psycho? I don't know. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So what? Okay. So three movies that you would suggest to people that they may not have seen, or they may have seen that you hold close to your heart. Okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, what dreams may come? I really liked that movie. Um. Let's see. What else? Man, I feel like I should have studied for this. Um, <laughs> uh, I can definitely say that one. Um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, um, that was the one with Robin Williams in uh, Cuba, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I I really liked Call Me By Your Name that had Timothy Chalamet and uh, um, Army Hammer in it. I really liked that. Um, I know Army Hammer kind of going through some stuff right now that it's kind of little I need to cleanse the palate a little bit but i really loved, <laughs> loved See, yeah I didn't even, I'm, I'm not even hip but okay <laughs> <laughs> but i loved call me by your name so that's two of them mm -hmm. um let's see let's see i don't know um I'm going to give you two because I can't give you okay, three and I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah. I really liked little women, little women recently, but you okay. know, Wait, um, Oh, it... I like pride and prejudice. Yeah. I like that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we got four. Okay. Well, so I, well, that was... cheaper. yeah, 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 for sure. I'm, I'm with it. Yes. Let's it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I understand that you're, you're super busy. So we have like two more questions and then um, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap this bad boy up. Okay. Okay. So, um, one second. Okay. Here's a, here's a question that I like to ask, um, our guests. So like, let's say in a perfect world, um, you're feeling down and, um, your mom is like, Hey, come over. I'm going to make you something to feel better. What is the dish that she makes to make you feel better? Um, she makes me meatloaf and, um, potato soup. Those are my go to like soul food pick me ups okay. that she makes. Okay, okay. That's hard. Yeah, moms with the now she put like the uh you know how they put like the ketchup around the meatloaf and put it in the oven. Oh, she yeah. all that? Ketchup on top and then like bakes it on bacon, <laughs> which is the best. Oh, that's next level on bacon. Okay, right? okay. Yeah. You gotta get you some of that. It's good stuff. Oh man. 
Okay, that's great. So, okay, now here's here's a tough one, and I just came up with this one, so I'm not sure how this is going to work, Amanda, okay? Okay, So okay. bear with me, okay? You got me nervous, but okay. we'll go with it. Yeah, okay. So, and, and you, okay, so barring yourself from the list, okay? So we're, we're automatically taking you off the list. So, and okay. it, this is similar to the poker question, but it's more along the art lines you okay. get a chance to curate an art show with five people dead or alive. Who are these five people? Um, can I, I'm going to do all alive right now. Um, and all women, um, it would be, um, I love her name is, um, Lucilla Biscion. She's a, like a collage artist. I really like her work. Um, I would go with her with, um, let's see. I like Madeline Sneeds Gray. I really like her work. Shout out um, to Madeline. Okay, really quick. She, you know she's having a sale right now on these small I paintings. Know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. I like her. Um, um, Amy Sherald, obviously. Mm -hmm. Love her. Love everything she does. I'm going with five, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Let's see. Um, hmm. I'm losing my train of thought. Um... Let's see. I like Sarah Gallagher. I really like her work too. Um, we could go with her. And then one more would have to be, let me think. Um, can we just go with four? Yeah, that works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my sure. problem, you know, here's my problem. I am really great with images, but I'm not great with names. Okay. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I see the pictures that I like, but I can never remember the names. And I feel like I'm always, yeah, I'm really bad at that. And I've asked I, you for a lot of names this episode. <laughs> Dang you. Yeah, You're good, making though. me show my true colors. This is great though. No, but that, that was a, that lineup. And then we just throw you in as the fifth one and signed, oh, still delivered. Work. Yeah. There we okay. go. Okay. You saved me there. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. saved me. Oh man, this is great. Okay. So now Amanda, do you have any shout outs you want to give? Shout outs? Let's see. Um I will um, I'm gonna just shout out my daughter. <laughs> so my daughter Violet. Yeah, we'll shout out to her. Let's get some air horns for Violet. Okay. Okay, so all right, and uh where can they catch you on the web? Um, I'm on Instagram um, at Amanda um, Grieve or underscore Grieve, sorry, and then on Facebook, and then I have a website, AmandaGrieve.com. And we'll put all of her social medias in the uh, description for the episode, you guys, to make it really easy on you. Perfect. Okay. So, and with the, it's about that time, Amanda. Okay, so you could be anywhere on the internet, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. Catch us again next week. Same BS time, same BS channel. Once again, this some shit I just thought of y'all. Scientific fiction that's not admissible in no court of law. I'm out of here like Vladimir. James Drills over and out. I told you from the dough. I told you from the get go. You don't gotta go home, but you gotta go. Art and Bullshit Podcast.